Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Greenland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We are still one more week away from the UFC returning, so that means we don't have any fights to break down for you guys this week, but we do have our famed combat countdown where we will be breaking down a five-part list. On this week's episode, we are going to be breaking down the most likely fighters in the UFC to go from being unranked to getting a title shot. And while it sounds absolutely crazy, there are tons of fighters who have done it in the past, including Weili Zhang, uh, Cody Garbrand has done it, uh, Volkan Ozdemir has done it, Anthony Smith. There's a bunch of fighters who've done it, and we're going to tell you who's most likely to do it in the calendar year 2022. And then I will also be doing a couple of interviews as well. First, I'll be talking to Ugly Man Joe, Joseph Holmes, as he gets ready for his bout uh, in the next UFC events, UFC Vegas 46. We'll be talking about that fight as well as a whole bunch of other topics. And I'll also be talking to Monica Franco, who's getting ready for her bout at uh, Invicta 45, which will be coming up this upcoming Wednesday. So make sure that you don't miss that Wednesday, January 12th. But... Before we get to those interviews and all that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. You can head on over to betterthan.vegas, where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, starting next week, you can see my bonus selection that you can only catch on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Ugly Man Joe, who fights Jamie Pickett at UFC Vegas 46. That fight is on January 15th. So, Joe, I want to start right here. When we spoke last time, you had just gotten your contract from Fury FC's Dana White's looking for a fight. You said you were looking for a fight in early 2022, and now here we are, less than a month later, and you're booked with the earliest possible fight. What is sort of your reaction to getting a fight that early in 2022? Uh, it's really starting to help me like recognize the power my tongue has. So I have to be careful with things I say, but it definitely worked out perfect. I think I am opening up the year, uh, which is ideal. I love that. It, it excites me to be on the very first card, hopefully the very first fight of the night, but potentially the first fight of the night is it's exciting, man. And you said you got to be careful with the power your tongue has. I'm assuming that means because you were calling for an early fight, because, you know, you, you've you got the the persona, the ugly man, Joe, the mustache, all that kind of stuff that, that you draw attention and, and you're starting to realize it? Yeah, yeah, definitely starting to realize it. Definitely just got to just pay attention to what I say. Uh, and the things I have paid attention that I said, like, they all came true. Like, people tell me all the time, like, I remember when you first started and you were always saying you were going to get to the UFC and look at you now. And, and there's a bunch of things I could like point out that I said I was going to do and it happened or said I was going to get and I got it. 
Well, that's that's awesome. Now, I, I do have to ask you because this is kind of impromptu. You're, we're talking about just being, you know, about a month away when you found out this fight was going to happen, and the holidays are coming up. So I, I got to ask, how were the holidays knowing that you have to make weight in less than a month? Well, weight's not really hard for me anymore. After my last fight, I feel like I got it really, really calculated and down to a science. So. Yeah, right now I'm still in a place where I can have a little bit of fun. I got to be smart about what I eat, you know, and I can't really just take in alcohol and stuff like that right now. But as far as, like, enjoying myself and eating some good foods, yeah, I just can't eat as much as I normally would. But I can still I can still enjoy the holidays um, and have a great time with Sam and eat some great foods still. So it was amazing to, to get this fight. It's, it's perfect timing, the right amount of time for me. I've already been training, so let's do it. I, I love that. Now I, I'm just going to ask you because we are right around the holidays, and you know I like a holiday themed question. What's your What's your favorite holiday cheat food? Uh, probably going to be the pecan pie if it's made right. <laughs> My mom <laughs> sent me home with the pecan pie uh, this past week, but there was a little too many pecans for me, so I didn't really get to indulge in it. But um, if there's going to be anything there that I would I would cheat cheat with, it'll probably be pecan pie. I like or that. potato salad. <laughs> I, I like those picks. Now, let's get to talking about this fight, because Jamie Pickett is a guy who who we've got quite a bit of film on. This is going to be his fourth UFC fight. He was on Contender Series three times. You've definitely gotten a chance to see him. What are your thoughts having watched him fight, and, and including against an opponent that you have fought? Uh, I think that this is a hand-picked fight for me, just about. Um, I mean, yeah, he's a tough kid, or he's tough guy and uh, he has some skills but um you know he, he doesn't have quite what he needs uh, to keep his spot in the ufc but i'm excited to get the opponent um, and i think that he will bring out the best of me and i think that we will see the best jamie pickett that night i mean he's going to be desperate um, and he's always been you know explosive but I just feel like the desperation will probably bring out another side of him we haven't seen, and that's what I'm hoping for because I have some things that people haven't seen either that I'm ready to bring out and show. <laughs> now, now, you said in there, too, you expect him to bring out the best version of you. Do you feel that way because of stylistic things or because of that desperation you were talking about? A little of both. Uh, stylistically, uh, he's going to leave himself out for some nice-looking shots, but I think... As, with, as desperate as he is, he'll be able to take more than some of my previous opponents have. Uh, so I, that's what I mean. It'll probably be, you know, bring out the best of me because I'll get to, you know, hit him with some of my best shots and he, and he won't go out, and, you know, and maybe he'll swing some good shots that I have to, you know, figure out. And, you know, maybe, you know, he has something that's being successful early in the fight that I have to, you know, overcome and figure out by the, you know, by the mid or end of the fight. And, I feel like people seeing that in me, though, you know, it'll it'll help more people, you know, understand what I'm trying to do here, and that's show them some quality martial arts that I've worked really hard to craft. And, and you mentioned earlier on in, in a qu answer that uh, that you felt like you were going to show some things that people have not seen out of you. Is is that mostly what you mean, overcoming adversity, or you know, we haven't we haven't really gotten a chance to see your grappling since you've come to the UFC? Could you? you know, or came, got your UFC contract because you went out there and starched Jonathan Pate so fast. So is it a little bit of the grappling, the style stuff, or is it a little bit of that adversity that you were just sort of hinting at? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. A little of, 
you know, I'll get to, you know, execute some, some setups, you know, I'll get to maybe land a hard shot that he, that won't put him away right away. And I'll get to continue trying to set that same shot up, you know, where it continues to land. Because most of these guys at this level, you hit them with a shot and they don't go out. You probably won't be able to catch them with that same shot, you know, right away. You'll have to try to work your way around it and find your way back in because they'll have that timing down or whatever that case may be. Uh, I feel like having this tougher opponent, I'll get to show people more of that. Um, as well as, you know, maybe he does put me into some adverse situations that I'll have to show I'm able to overcome. Yeah, I think all of those play a huge part in me showing who I am and what I bring to the table. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Now, you, you also mentioned there that there's a good chance that it might be the first fight of the night. Obviously, you're making your debut. He is just one and two in the UFC since joining, so it, there's a good chance it could possibly open. But you also said that you like that idea. Why, why particularly do you like the idea of being the first fight on the night? Well, because I'm I'm here for business, man. I'm uh, this is work for me. I'm trying to get in and you know do my job. And I've learned the longer I wait in the card, you know, the more restless I get. I start pacing, you know. I start just like, oh, I'm ready to get this show on the road. You know what I mean? And with the earlier fight, which I haven't had in a long time, uh, being earlier in the card, I feel like it'll be just right where I like to be. Just get in there, get right to work. I love it. Now, if you do get in there, you get right to work. Give me a prediction. How's this one end? Um, I'm. I think that I put him away in the first round, TKO or knockout. Um, maybe not even knockout, but just with the punches. I think I definitely will knock him out though, because he he will be desperate. He'll be trying to, you know, show the UFC he can do this or he can do that. So he'll he'll put himself in danger. He'll overextend himself. I know he will. It's just a matter of time. So I think I'll definitely put him out in the first. Uh, and I'm hopeful I put him out in the first because um, that's what I, I train to do. I train to execute and, you know, execute a game plan that's going, that's, you know, handpicked by experienced fighters to take out my opponent. And that's what I plan to do. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the holidays jokingly and, uh, I am interested because it is not just the holidays, but it's a turn of a new year, and a lot of times people set goals for the new year. Do you have goals for yourself for 2022? What does a perfect year look like for Ugly Man Joe? A uh, perfect year for me, I would say, obviously coming here off a win early January and then be able to book fights every other month, uh, staying healthy, and you know, hopefully get another five fights in, uh, and then turn around and be, you know, really close to fighting for a title. I love it. And you guys heard it here first. This has been Ugly Man Joe. Joseph Holmes, who fights Jamie Pickett at UFC Vegas 46. That fights on January 15th. Joe, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, man. You're great. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Joseph Ugly Man Holmes. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Toronto. Dave, we still don't have a whole lot of MMA news, but I'm going to give you this one. There is a rumored fight possibly going to happen between Tony El Kakui Ferguson and Michael Chandler. Your thoughts on if that matchup does happen? Yeah, I could certainly see it happening. It does make a lot of sense. You know, people would be surprised. Tony's still, and I don't have it in front of me, he's ranked eighth, maybe, or maybe nine. I mean, he's still in the top ten, right? So... Um, 
as bad as it's been, and it's been an ugly last year or two for Tony Ferguson, it does make sense to match him up with someone else in the top 10. If he loses, you know, I'm sure, I don't know how many fights are left on his contract, but we're certainly in cut territory, or then it's just clear you cannot be giving this man top 10 anymore. And, you know, Michael Chandler coming off a loss too, I like that matchmaking. What about you? Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, you're right. The trajectory for Tony Ferguson has not been pretty. Uh, you, you're right. He is still ranked number seven. But I also think we're, we're maybe being a little bit hard on his losses. Um, you know, like he's lost to Justin Gaethje, uh, Charles Oliveira, the now champion, and the guy who he's about to challenge him, and Benil Dariush, who might be next in line should he get by Islam Makhachev. So we're talking about the champ, the number one contender, and maybe the guy right behind the number one contender. Like, his string of three losses, not awful. That being said... I think I'd probably prefer to see him fight somebody a little bit further down. Um, because, like, this one, again, if he loses, we're talking about a four-fight losing streak to maybe four of the best five or six guys in the division. Uh, it doesn't really tell me a lot about how far his slip is. Whereas if you gave me somebody like Gregor Gillespie who absolutely trashed him or Brad Riddell or somebody like that, then we could say, okay, well, the Tony Ferguson we knew and love is kind of no longer there, and we could we could sort of move past it, but... Uh, if the UFC wants to keep giving him killers, uh, I guess, you know, he's not a young man anymore, so we might as well, we might as well see him against the best of the best while there's still left anything left in the tank. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, I think from his management standpoint and from his standpoint, he should want this too, because it would be a notable name. And if he believes in himself, which I'm sure he does, you know, this is, this is where if he's a number seven ranked, which still is a little shocking then he's got to fight the Michael Chandlers of the world, and here we are. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's exciting to me. We'll see. And I feel bad at the same time because <laughs> Tony Ferguson's going to be 0-4. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, we do not have fights this weekend, unfortunately, as you mentioned. Uh, but that means we get to break out our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show. And I'm talking about Combat Countdown. And we tend to do this every year. Uh, we're going to be counting down the most likely fighters to go from unranked to a title shot in the year 2022. You think it can't happen, but it seemingly always does every year. Someone comes from out of nowhere, not even in the top 15, ends up with a title shot, albeit because of maybe a thin division or a couple of injuries. You need the ball to bounce a lot, uh, to bounce your way, to borrow a sports analogy for cage fighting. But that being said, before we bring this edition of Combat Countdown, Gumby, does anyone sponsor it? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and or not Fight Stocks and Parley. <laughs> the Combat Countdown. Fight Stocks and Parley is next week. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can check out Nichols over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. He's going to send you five picks each and every morning from the world of NBA, NHL, MLB, and of course, MMA. And I'm not lying when he's saying almost five every single day. And if not, he's hitting four of them. And unlike those other guys who are just trying to get you to follow their picks, he's giving you far more than that because he hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And if you don't believe me, you might be alone on that because nearly 30,000 people are following him on Instagram and with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day. There's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, he will hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram, Double Nickels Sports Betting. Boom. All right. So we're breaking down the most likely to go unranked to a title shot. And believe it or not, as crazy a thought as that may be, we're breaking down a top five. We have enough people here where we actually have an honorable mention, and I want to kick it off there. 
and I'm talking about honorable mention, unranked possibility of a title shot, Chad Curtis. He's 2-0 in the UFC at middleweight. Let's hear it. Yeah, Chris Curtis is a a great pick at middleweight because – well, first of all, middleweight is a division that somewhat needs a couple of challengers. You know, obviously we got Brunson waiting in the wings. We're going to see a Robert Whitaker title fight. But after that, it's a whole lot of rematches for Israel Adesanya. And, and even Brunson's a rematch for Israel Adesanya. I mean, I guess you got guys like Cannoneer, but he's fighting Brunson. He could be weeded out soon. Nobody really wants to see a Paulo Costa or a Martin Vittori rematch. So we need some fresh blood in there. And Chris Curtis, all he did this past year was go 2-0 and in like a month's time, which is incredible. And he did that against two guys who were both ranked. Now, he's a little bit older, so maybe he doesn't run up the, the ranking so fast. But he's also a company man. So I almost had him on this list because, man, the ascension in the last month alone was crazy for Chris Curtis. It wouldn't be super surprising if he went in there on a short notice, knocked out somebody a little bit further up the rankings and uh, got himself in that title picture. So, of our top five, he's just outside, but we did want to make sure to mention uh, the action man, Chris Curtis. You know, it's funny. You said uh, fights, dogs, and parlays when we were doing a combat countdown. I called him Chad Curtis, of course, the great Yankee baseball player on my mind. So, we're one for one on that. But, yeah, Chris Curtis is our honorable mention. And we're going to stay at middleweight, and we're going to get to our actual list and we want to hear what you think of this list at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Give us some feedback on this. Tell us if you love or hate it. Uh, and we're going to start with another middleweight. We're staying at middleweight, and we're talking about Alex Pereira. The former kickboxer holds a win over Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. He's 1-0 in the UFC, looked very impressive beating Thomas Powell in LFA, uh, beat Andreas Michaladius uh, via crazy flying knee finished him off with punches back at UFC 268 November 6th the potential here we know the UFC loves these kind of storylines holds a win over the current champion let's hear it yeah he actually holds two wins over the champion the one that gets played constantly is that big knockout that everybody talks about and you know has kind of gotten hyped up but he also had a decision win uh about a year prior to that too uh where he fought Israel Adesanya out in China so, yeah, the the storyline is really obvious, right? Alex Pereira is a guy who beat the champ. Now, it was in a different sport, but that same token, there's reason to jump him up the rankings and jump him up the rankings fast, right? If you're looking for a division that needs a challenger, middleweight is one of those. If you're looking at a guy who has the storyline to be that challenger, well, you got a guy. Um, and there aren't a lot of guys who have that kind of thing, so... Pereira is an interesting one. I'm not entirely sold on his wrestling defense. I'm not entirely sold on him uh, being a champion, being a guy who's going to run up the rankings. But with that being said, he has finished everybody he's fought. Uh, Granted, he's only fought twice in the last uh, year. So I I do want to see more out of him. But hey, the storyline, the division, everything coming together. I think Alex Pereira makes a lot of sense on this list. All right, let's go... Uh, what, 60 pounds lighter, and we'll go to men's flyweight, and we have a guy who hasn't even debuted in the UFC. Let's hear about Mohamed Makiev. Yeah, so Mohamed Mokayev uh, is a guy who came out of Brave FC. A lot of people may not even have heard of him, and you might look at his record and be like, he, dude, he is only 5-0-1 at this point in time in his career. What are you smoking saying that this guy could possibly get to a title shot? Well, you do need to look at his amateur record to see that this man has fought 
30 times as a pro and amateur combined, which is absolutely insane levels of competition. And he did so in the IMMAF, which is one of the highest, most prestigious ways that you can fight in amateur MMA nowadays. It's given us people like Manol Firo in the UFC, who obviously we've seen her ascension is very fast up the rankings as well. Also, we know flyweight, just not a thick division for men's right now. You know, we've got a couple of challengers at the top, but we also have a whole bunch of people in the middle and a lot of stagnation. You know, we've seen sort of the same names in the middle there, the Tim Elliott's or, you know, the likewise type fighters right there, kind of just chilling around. Mokayev is, you know, he's a guy who's got really great wrestling. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, like he is a guy who's originally come from those, that group of countries that we've know. The UFC tends to market pretty well, so it would not be super surprising to see that wrestling take over and uh, to see him run up those rankings and beat somebody really important really quick. Um, he also has a fight already booked for, I believe it's the beginning of March, so, you know, if he looks impressive there, we might see him against a much bigger name, which, you know, might be a ranked guy already because it is a division that doesn't have a lot of people in it. Yeah, I mean, you you said it best. He comes from that region that seemingly just loves to produce top MMA fighters. It's like seeing someone from the University of Alabama. I know they're going to be okay in the NFL. Uh, let's get then to number three. Dustin Jacoby is a light heavyweight who's 4-0-1 in the UFC and also coming from kickboxing, much like the aforementioned Alex Pereira, right? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, he fought Alex Pereira and lost to him, um, which makes it seem wrong that we're talking about, you know, Alex Pereira being the five and Dustin Jacoby being the three. But here's why I like Dustin Jacoby to make that run quicker. First of all, light heavyweight seems to be an absolute free-for-all right now, right? We know, obviously, that Yuri Prohashka is going to be fighting Glover Teixeira at some point in time. We know after that, Nothing. We know Alexander Rachich kind of might be waiting in the wings, but apart from that, we are completely confused about what might be next in this division. And hey, this guy has already fought five times at light heavyweight and is not lost. He's looked pretty damn good with the exception of one round against Ian Kudalaba, where he came out a little slow, but he battled back in that fight and wound up winning rounds two and three. So I have a lot of faith in Justin Jacoby. I think you know, the move from middleweight to light heavyweight at that point in time in his career was huge for him. He looks like he's doing great things. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not he can continue him. But at five, five on fight undefeated streak, you have to imagine he's knocking on that door pretty darn quick. Well, I'll tell you who I think is really going to be knocking on the door quick. Very excited about her. Erin Blanchfield is a New Jersey Northeast prospect turned UFC fighter, already 2-0 and in the UFC. The jiu-jitsu ace has an EBI uh, championship to her uh, legacy. I am very excited about her prospects, and she's very deserving at number two. Yeah, and I actually probably would have put her at number one had she not been as young as she is. Um, because that's also a division in women's flyweight that badly needs some contenders, right? If you look at the top five, I'm pretty sure Valentina Shevchenko has fought and beat just about all of them with the exception of uh, Talia Santos. So, like, we're talking about a bunch of regurgitated rematches for Valentina Shevchenko, which aren't super exciting. And there are some young prospects that are kind of exciting, some Andrea Lees and some Manol Firoz, who I mentioned before. If Blanchfield was 25 or 26 and it wouldn't be quote-unquote rushing her, she'd be number one on this list for sure. But the way she absolutely dismantled Miranda Maverick in her last fight, it, it was, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Miranda Maverick looked like she had never grappled before because that's what it looked like when she fought Aaron Blanchfield. 
you know, her jujitsu's on point. She's now shown her wrestling's on point. The striking's coming along quite good. Yeah, I, I'm sold on Aaron Blanchfield. Would not be surprised to see her make a three and or four and run this this year and get herself a title shot. All right, it's time for El Numero Uno, and it's a big one or a big person, I should say. It's Alexander Romanov, the four and heavyweight, debuted in the UFC in 2019. He's unranked, but Boy, oh boy, has he made an impression. This is such a great call at one. Uh, he has a split decision win, and then he has a TKO, a forearm choke submission, and an arm triangle choke submission. He has multiple forearm choke submissions, um, which I assume actually, like I'm looking at Wikipedia, that that's probably like the Bravo choke, I would imagine. They're just calling it a forearm choke. No, no. did you see but, the one in the UFC? The one in the UFC is he put his forearm down on this guy's neck and just pushed down, and he passed out. That's, that's <laughs> right. Okay, so it is a legit just forearm to fucking air, air pipe choke. Or carotid artery. I, I think with the fact that he went out, it may have just been him pushing down on one carotid artery, which would have been crazy to get a guy to go cold that way. Yeah, see, that that's crazy to me. Because if he's coming from the top down, I'm no scientist, but I am a jiu-jitsu guy, and he's able to put that much pressure on the side of the carotid artery. Okay, either way, this man is fucking impressive, and he's 4-0 and and 1 in the UFC. Uh he is no he's four and only you see excuse me um yeah we uh we might be witnessing a future champion here yeah he's incredible um i've been singing the praises of romanoff for a while and as far as the heavyweight division is concerned this dude's young he's only 31 years old um which you don't see a lot of 31 year old heavyweights running around they're usually a little bit older than that so he's pretty young and, and i will just say this you mentioned the submission skills which sometimes look a little forceful Sometimes they also look sweet. Sometimes he's got perfect head and arm chokes. Um, other times he's got mean grounded pound. His stand-up doesn't look bad. His takedowns are a thing of beauty. He picked Roque Martinez up over his head and German suplexed him a la Kurt Angle style, which is just like an absolute crazy thing to happen in a UFC fight. And to see him do it to a guy who is all of 265 and maybe even had to cut to get there is just incredible. I, I can't wait to see what his wrestling does against other guys in the division because, you know, apart from Curtis Blades, there are not a ton of brilliant wrestlers at heavyweight right now. So I'm excited to see what he can do in that 4-0 already in the heavyweight division and 13-0 in total in his career, or 15-0 rather, in total in his career. You have to imagine that the UFC at some point in time isn't going to have an option. They're going to have to force them up those rankings. Boom. I like our list. We want to know if you like our list. Hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, Ditto, Instagram, Gumby. We, uh, we don't have fights this week. We certainly hope we, you know, tickled the funny bone, tickled the brain of fight fans, gave them something to think about. We'll be back, of course, next week with fights to break down which is always our favorite so where do we go in the show now so we're gonna transition now to my interview with monica franco who fights actually wednesday at invicta 45 that's right we got a wednesday card coming up she is returning from two-year layoff and i talked to her about that layoff and the layoff that came before that but before we get to that interview, I have to let you know that the interview with Monica Franco is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. 
Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh, so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Monica Franco. All right, and joining me now is Monica Franco, who fights Haley Cowan at Invicta 45. That fight is on January 12th. So, Monica, you had a really long amateur career. It was 10-plus fights. You turned pro in 2015 and have an absolutely crazy knockout in your pro debut. But then we don't see you again for five years. Do you, do you mind sharing a little bit about what kept you away for so long? Um, Sure, yeah. Um, I, I think it was a combination of a lot of different things. That At that point um, in my fight... I had gone through, I think that was like my fourth really bad weight cut in a row. I was literally in the hospital the the until like 2 a.m. getting re-IV'd because when I was trying to rehydrate, I was like throwing up and stuff like that. So the night before my pro debut, you know, I was dealing with all of that. So after, you know, <clears throat> I had gone in there and stuff, it, it was just like, I think I was a little bit burnt out from, you know, dealing with that. I... And just some other personal issues that I think I had to go through as a human being in general to um, <clears throat> get to the point at where I'm at today, if that makes sense, which I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> of course that makes sense. Of course that makes sense. Now, I'll touch a little bit on the weight cut issue stuff again. So obviously, the weight cut stuff is is mostly figured out by moving up a weight in that second fight, which obviously it took a little bit of time. How much different did your body feel being able to go up to 135, which is a much more, you know, regular weight class for you? Um, now that I, I guess because my body had went, you know, during that time I was still training and everything, but, um, excuse me, one of my, sorry about that. I'm one of my workers. I, excuse me. Um, so during that, the time I was taking my break, I think my body just kind of had the time to just recalibrate itself so to speak and you know I was still training and everything but then um for this one it was actually quite easy the my most recent fight against Tina so um you know I I felt very healthy I felt very um just you know having just that healthy you know being able to have that health going into a fight just makes such a world of difference on your cardio on just you know just your whole outlook and things so it felt really good um and i i think after this fight because it's going to probably be a fairly decent weight cut for me again i'm looking at trying to get into the flyweight division afterwards too so i'm just putting that out there (laughs) flyweight right that's 125 correct correct yeah yeah Mm-hmm. So you feel yeah. like now having, you know, sort of recalibrated yourself to making weight and, and getting your body back where it was, you, you feel like you can get back to 25 safely and, and feeling good? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Very much so. Well, that's exciting to hear. Now, I, I want to ask, too, because, you know, like I said, it was a, a long time off and, and you mentioned you had some personal issues in that time. But now you're you're also coming off another two year layoff, right? Like you, you fought Tina, you mentioned in February of 2020, we're looking at January 2022 now. Was that by design? Is is that a little bit of the pandemic? What, what, <laughs> what sort of kept you out for that one? I, well, that one was primarily pandemic and maybe a little bit of by design. <laughs> 
But I told my manager, I told him, I'm just like, you know what the good thing about coming off of a five-year layoff and having this fight? And I knew that I was just a different person altogether. Just like I said, I was always training, you know. And if you apply what you do in your in your daily training, you're going to be fine, you know. So, I mean, having that, you know, in my back pocket and also having, like you said, that extensive career, you're fighting, you know, pretty high-level females from Hawaii who had all gone on to, you know, UFC and 1FC as well as Invicta. So, you know, I, I mean, all of that just kind of brought me to that moment with Tina and then taking from all of that, bringing me to this moment right now with Haley, you know, um, I feel like I'm going to go out there and just be hopefully a better version of what I was in there the last time. So it's not really like me competing against her. It's like me competing against myself. And I don't know. It just, the life experiences brought me to this point of like, you know, just focused and ready. And, um, but that layoff was primarily due to COVID and just some bad timing. Cause we had had some fight offers, but just bad timing on some of them. That made sense. Now, you know, you mentioned in there you have fought some really high-level people on the regional circuit. People like, you know, Rachel Canuto and, and Rachel Ostovich and Angela Lee. Um, Not Rachel, not Rachel Canuto. I don't know who that so used, is. Rachel she used, Ostovich. She used to go sure. by a different last oh, name. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Raquel Paluhi. Yeah. Raquel, yes, 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 she, yes. I know who you're yeah, talking about. So, so you've, you fought like, you know, crazy list of, of really good fighters on the regional circuit, and the regional circuit being yeah, yeah awesome. being being in Hawaii like what is it like on that regional circuit in Hawaii where they do seem to turn out you know for for some small areas some like ridiculously good talent uh I mean, I'm sorry, can you, because re- I was in the no, moment, but can you repeat no, your question? No problem. I, I said, so what is it like fighting on the regional mm-hmm. circuit when there is so much talent around in, in a relatively small area? I think it's definitely a blessing for sure because I think being able to fight quality talent at that level only can make you, you know, better prepared, like I said, for for this, for these moments, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I fought Raquel, you know, I fought Rachel, I fought Angela, I fought Kylan Curran's sister, Keani Sobalu, is all fairly, you know, she's really talented as well. And then, you know, I fought... um Tiani Valley, who was in Bellator, you know, they just super talented girls, not to mention I get to train with them. So it just gives you a sense of um, um, gratitude, as I guess is a good, I always come back to gratitude for sure. And, and just um, because it just, you know, it just gives you a feeling of um, confidence now going into these fights, not in a way of like, cocky confidence but knowing that you've been up against such you know tremendous talent you know throughout for you know primarily for the most part you know just makes you ready and just you know willing to go at any given moment so that's kind of where i'm at right now like you know ready and willing to go at any moment (laughs) i I love it now you know you mentioned confidence in there and you mentioned also that you're you feel like you're fighting yourself you're not fighting necessarily an opponent but I'm wondering, you know, you got this this highly touted prospect in front of you in Haley Cowan, who's, you know, eight years younger than you. People have hyped mm-hmm. her up to be kind of like a, you know, possibly a future champ of Invicta. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on getting offered her as a matchup here, you know, on this at this particular time in your career? I like it. 
I think in order to, you know, at, at this point in my career, I don't want to fight people that aren't going to help me get better. You know, I think it's a great matchup. I think um, we're both, even though she's younger than me, you know, still, you know, we're still up and comers together. I think we're going to um, make each other rise. So um, I'm very excited. I'm very, you know, just I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the adjustments that, you know, I'm going to have to make the adjustments that she's going to have to make, you know, just really, you know, just putting, you know, putting on a good show, putting it up there and showing a high level fight IQ match. And, um, you know, I'm excited. So those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> you know, if I'm not fighting, you know, people who aren't at that level, then I don't want to be fighting them at all. So, yeah, you know, I- I'm excited. I love that. Now, I-, I usually like to get a prediction out of my fighters before I let them go. You know, obviously she's got, you know, a whole bunch of different facets to her game. You're Taekwondo black belt and, you know, obviously have more facets to your game that we haven't even seen yet, too. How, how do you sort of see this fight going and how do you think it's going to end? Um, I always envision myself with my hand being right, <clears throat> being raised. I think it's going to be a grind. I think that it's going to be, um, you know, I, I, I have some things in mind that I'm going to try to look to implement to, uh, you know, to, um, make things a little bit more difficult, but I, I I'm trying not to give a lot away. So you know, at the end, I always, I always see my hand being raised. In what fashion, I do not know. But you, know, um, just know that I will go out there, and you guys are going to see, you know, you're going, you're going to see my heart and my soul as you always do. So, I mean, let's go. I love that. <laughs> now, once again, fans, this is Monica Franco, who fights Haley Cowan at Invicta 45. That fight is on January 12th. Monica, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you so much as well. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Better Than Vegas, Maroon Social, and, of course, Double Nickels Sports Betting. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram each and every week at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locales. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.